Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by Mari Silby, Director of Partnerships and Outreach at US Ignite, as well as Alex Wyglinski and Casey Canfield, who are co-leads on a broadband deployment project in Clinton County, Missouri. The deployment, which will use RF over fiber to serve a rural community, was selected to receive grant funding through Project Overcome, a $2.7 million joint effort spearheaded by the National Science Foundation and US Ignite to fund novel broadband projects and find new solutions to closing the digital divide. The three of us discuss more about Project Overcome, as well as details and plans for this specific deployment in Clinton County, Missouri, and the complexities of choosing the right technologies and outreach methods to service rural communities. Mari, Casey, Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Just to start us off, Mari, could you just give us a little bit of background on Project Overcome, including how many submissions you all ended up receiving and what you were looking for when you were selecting the winners? Sure. So I'm Mari Silby, uh, Senior Director of Partnerships and Outreach with US Ignite. We are administering Project Overcome. The project, it was conceived of by the National Science Foundation, which also put in the initial funding for it. In the end, we also were able to partner with Schmidt Futures as well. So the whole project is a $2.7 million effort that was designed to connect the unconnected through novel broadband technology solutions and deployments. So we initially planned to support five community projects deploying these proof of concept broadband networks. But with uh, the additional funding we were able to secure, we were able to expand that to seven communities. And we announced those at the very, very end of March. And the goal was to really get a diversity of urban and rural communities, communities with different types of demographics. We wanted different technologies represented, different geographic locations around the country. The goal is really to pilot these proof of concept networks over the course of a year, collect as much data and information as we could get during that build out phase, and then take that information and use that to help figure out from a national perspective, what can be replicated in other places in the country that may have similar profiles to the communities that are in this program. So we know there's a whole bunch of broadband funding that's likely to come down the pike, infrastructure funding. And given that, our goal is really to collect as much information and do our homework and research and experimentation to figure out what works best and how to put those broadband dollars to work. Casey and Alex, you are here from the winning team uh, with Missouri University of Science and Technology. So first of all, congratulations. But tell me a bit about the connectivity needs and the challenges of the community that you're working in and what technologies are you using to deploy broadband there as a result of this um, funding that you're getting through through, um, Project Overcome? So the idea is is that a lot of broadband is delivered by fiber, a good chunk of it anyway, especially if you have needs of like 100 megabits per second download or greater and, and such. And we're going to need that sort of broadband connectivity for things like um, uh, education or work from home or uh, remote healthcare and the like. With the assumption that there is a f- sort of fiber backhaul, how do you fill in the gaps? Because it's, first of all, fiber is super expensive to put into the ground. 
and uh, to splice it and to roll it out over, all over the place is a very significant investment. So as a result, one can use wireless technologies to kind of go beyond the range of fiber to kind of fill in the gaps where people don't have that broadband connectivity. The fiber is not near enough and it's prohibitively expensive. So the idea here is to do the following. From the fiber connection, what you would have is a really high speed wireless connection to a platform hopefully within about a mile or two of the fiber that has a great perspective of the community that is about to be served. And so the technology we're using there is a millimeter wave backhaul. And that could be usually like any sort of frequencies, like, you know, 24 gigahertz all the way to 70 gigahertz and above. I have a lot of familiarity and experience working with the 70 gigahertz type of uh, millimeter wave broadband. But I think for this project, we're using 60 gigahertz. And specifically, we're splicing, we're connecting the fiber to the millimeter wave through RF over fiber because it requires sort of a minimal amount of, and this is a trick. It's like on paper, this all looks great, but in reality, what ends up happening is just the amount of overhead and to make the thing work becomes very costly. So it might not scale. So uh, RF over fiber is a great technology. So it's a sort of minimal amount of additional hardware to make that thing work. We actually have three simultaneous one gigabit per second links goes to a, let's say in this case, a grain link which is an elevated structure. It then gets combined together those three one gigabit per second streams. And then in the last three to five miles, it's delivered by LTEU or unlicensed LTE wireless connectivity. And the reason for that, instead of something like, let's say, Wi-Fi, which is also an unlicensed spectrum, is the fact of how the spectrum is efficiently being utilized. So to me, when you say spectrum, inefficient, and utilized, it's like music to my ears. I've been working in this area since 2005, uh, right after my PhD, I was done with my PhD. And spectrum, 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 that's a huge driving force. So being able to efficiently deliver the data to those uh, households is critical, especially over mile, that much mileage. So at the end of the day, we're taking one technology, converting to another technology that has a good view of the community to be served, and then translate it into another technology that scales nicely to serve n number of households, in this case, 30. But it could be scaled to a lot more because, again, it's based off of the LTE cellular technology. Fantastic explanation. <laughs> you should have cut me off and said, like, okay, Wiglinski, 30 seconds, please, you know. Not at all. I thought, I think that was, that was so thorough and fantastic and exactly what I wanted to know. Casey, is there anything you wanted to add to that? We're focusing on Turney, Missouri, uh, which is in Clinton County. It's in northwest Missouri. So this represents the type of rural areas that are pretty close to urban areas. So Turney's only like an hour outside of Kansas City. Turney is a town of about 150 people, 60 households. It's a really, really small community. There's no local government. So Turney is a community where it's like two miles from the fiber system. So United Fiber is one of our partners. They're the local co-op. They're expanding their fiber network. This town is super, super close to their fiber network, but it's just not economical to build out to them. And so exactly what Alex is talking about, this is where that wireless technology really fits in. You know, maybe someday it would make sense to build fiber out to this community, but at least for the interim, wireless is the best solution for them. And so we're focusing on reaching 30 households, which represents 50% of this town. And, you know, we might get more households that want to sign up, but that's what we're committing to definitely serving. 
So where are you in the process? What have you gotten accomplished so far? And what does your timeline look like for this deployment? We're pretty early in the process. So we really kicked off in March. It's the beginning of May now, has not been a super long time. And so we've been doing a lot of networking with the community, trying to get more people involved. Uh, So one of our partners is Maximize Northwest Missouri, which is basically a community organizing group representing a bunch of different counties in Northwest Missouri. And so they have this new group that they've initiated called the Clinton County Initiative. And so that's the group that we're really working with. We also have plans to build more inroads in Turney. Uh, They have a really active historical society that we think we're hoping is going to be a really big partner. So we've been building those community relationships. We're getting started to do some advertising. For example, the Plattsburgh Wine Walk is coming up in two weeks. So we're going to be doing some flyers, like getting letting people know about this project that's coming up. You know, I've already received emails from folks who live in Clinton County, and they're like, we need to know where this project is. Will it get us internet? <laughs> so yeah, people are excited. <laughs> And then we've also been starting to figure out this evaluation piece. Yeah, and Alex can talk about the technology and what we've been thinking so far there. What's really, really important is to to start simple and to start small. So already I'm like saying blah, 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 millimeter wave, blah, 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 LTU, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, those are not very trivial <laughs> stuff. But But the idea is if you can get it off the shelf and do the proof of concept, Eventually, it could be optimized cheaper, uh, much more efficient, much more ruggedized for like, you know, whatever environment that you're working in. So things like, for instance, the LTU, the unlicensed LTE platforms that you can get literally from there's several vendors out there that sell that. And same thing with the millimeter wave dishes. But there's this one kind of critical piece. Uh, it's going to pay its, its its own weight in gold. Well, uh, you, don't quote me on that. But, <laughs> but the idea is what we're trying to do is something called software-defined networking. So that's another critical component to all of this. So what happens is, let's say of those 30 houses, the occupants each have very different needs. So let's say here's a family of four, both parents work from home, all four kids do remote education. So they're going to be kind of like the bandwidth power user. Then you have, let's say, another household, which might be a retired couple. Maybe they use email once, uh, Skype to grandkids like forever. But but still, even that, that's like maybe not too extensive, like by five o'clock, you know, people, they'll shut down their laptops and, and, uh, you know, not be in front of a computer all the time. But what happens is, people's usage of bandwidth is actually not all the same. So the idea of saying 100 megabits for you, 100 megabits for you, 100 megabits for you and you and you doesn't make any sense. Let's say the retired couple at six o'clock at night don't need any or maybe five or 10 megabits per second for an email. The power user family of four, uh, sorry, six of, of which four, uh, you know, teenage kids, they're going to probably need two, maybe 250 megabits per second minimum, right? Like all those Zoom sessions and such. So what happens is where can it be possible where you take all that sort of spare bandwidth from the retiree couple and and reallocate it. So that's kind of the core, kind of the place of honor component of all this, which is the intelligent router. So we've been trying to vet the technology out there. How can we do it? And also something that's scalable and cost effective. We have a few candidates. It also has got to be something that can integrate. And this is really important, integrate into an actual service provider. So United is working with us a lot. They're saying, no, that won't work. No, that's very expensive. No, that, that's incompatible. As well as a technique at the protocol layer in order to say these bits, this much bandwidth 
goes to that household and so on and so forth. We're, we're doing a lot of kind of cutting edge stuff like SDN, software defined networking is big, big stuff, right? And, and that combined with a millimeter wave backhaul link from the fiber and then the LTU, we're combining like three different kind of important and relatively recent technologies all together to make this happen. It sounds quite experimental. Is this something that you've seen elsewhere or is this completely invented for this community? How did you decide to combine all of these technologies for this particular case? The thing about academics versus, let's say, uh, yeah, I'm, now I'm going to say why <laughs> academics are special. But but the reality is what academics do is we we kind of ask hard questions. We come up with high risk, high return type of solutions, right? And the thing is, it's all about the exploration. Whether we make a profit at the end of the day, well, that we won't make anything efficient. But if we can push the state of the art to something that ultimately can be productized, can be scaled and be used on a national level, great. I think the thing is the technologies that all got kind of pulled together made sense for this application. Because for instance, talking, we, we've had several conversations before the proposal submission with United and, and they were already saying like, you know, they were saying, well, here are the constraints already on the fiber network. Oh, so like, for instance, every time you have a tap that comes off of the fiber, it's limited in bandwidth. But that town needs that much bandwidth, which is an um, integer multiple of that, three, four, five times. How do we do that? And then we came up with, okay, so we'll have multiple parallel radios at the same time. And now we need something that can shovel that amount of bits per second reliably. So what technologies do that? And then it's like you do kind of a pros and cons and you have this matrix of options. So it's like, do we want to use free space optical? Uh, no, because fog is kind of not conducive to free space laser optical communications. Can we try cellular or Wi-Fi? Not enough bandwidth. And it's not reliable over that range. So it's just kind of like, and then all of a sudden millimeter wave, right? And not the 5G millimeter wave. Because millimeter wave, surprisingly, is used in a lot of backhaul applications already, way before 5G made it popular. And then everything else began fitting in. It's going to be interesting. The thing is, if we can make a go of it, it will really push the state of the art, like in, a, in an applied research sense. You know, one of the things I will say that I think is, is really great about this particular team is the combination. We asked for novel technologies, but we also asked for novel models for how broadband might be deployed. So this really has all the pieces because it's a it's a number of, you know, new and emerging technologies. It's the combination of putting them together. And then it's the piece that Casey talked about, which I don't want to undersell, uh, which is the working within the community and the grassroots organizing and also the thinking that they're doing around using it to encourage entrepreneurship and build local economic development and such as well, which we haven't touched as much on. But having those partnerships and those discussions and those conversations already in place was another key piece as to why this this project was chosen. That's yeah, and that was going to be uh, my my next question for you all, which was about accessibility and affordability. How are you getting people to adopt this network? And and it sounds like you're working specifically with grassroots partners in, in the community. Is that right? So we're working with Maximize Northwest Missouri, which is the community organizer part. We're also working with United Fiber, which is the local co-op, also fiber broadband provider. Um, we also are working with Missouri, University of Missouri Extension. They have an office and a presence in every single county in the entire state of Missouri. And so I think part of it is 
you know, there's obviously the digital literacy piece of it. And we're going to be engaging with trainings to try and make sure people have those resources that they need. Once they get this access, trying to explain like all the different things you can do with this access once you get it. But I think another big piece here is having that trusted provider, like having these organizations that are embedded in the community. um, So that people are getting information from people that they trust. That's also hugely important. And so we're planning to have a presence of these community events. You know, we're already planning, we're going to have a booth at the Clinton County Fair. Um, and that's where we're going to be engaging with people um, and having them fill out surveys and trying to figure out, you know, what is going to be the impact of this access. Now, as you're doing that, do you have a determined set of 30 homes that you're going to be supplying connectivity to? Is that what you're going to be figuring out as part of surveying the community and such? Yeah, I mean, we're basically going to start offering it to people. (laughs) And and we're not quite at that stage yet where we're ready for people to like sign up. But that's the idea is, yeah, people will sign up and be like, hey, I really want this service. Some people, you know, are going to have better service than others, depending on where they're located. You know, there are still line of sight issues. So that's going to affect who can participate. And so, yeah, we haven't ironed out all of those details, but that, you know, is the big next step. Absolutely. So um, I want to just get you your perspective, Sierra, on, um, we we touched on this very early in the conversation, but obviously there's a lot of conversation going on right now in Congress and in Washington, D.C. about federal broadband bills. So a lot of debate is centering around which technologies should be funded, what minimal speeds should be at this point. So I just love to get your perspectives as people who are working in communities directly, rural communities. And uh, Mari is somebody who's deeply embedded in this. Um, What do you think of all of these debates going on right now? And what do you all want to see and or not want to see from uh, broadband spending bills? You know, obviously, the pandemic made it very clear how important the connectivity piece is, and also how many gaps that we still we still have to fill. And of course, the reason it's so difficult to close the digital divide is that all the places that, you know, were easy to connect have already been connected. You know, those are the places that were it was economically viable to do so. I really do believe, and certainly we at Ignite believe, that it will take both the public and the private sector to finally bridge that last piece of closing the digital divide. And I also think that we're finally in a place to make that happen. So without suggesting that there's a a particular technology, we know that fiber is fantastic. We also know how difficult it is and expensive it is to get out to very rural areas. But we think that there's a, you know, there's there's truly an opportunity for both federal investment, the academic side of things where we're going to have more research, we're going to push the state of the art, and then also the private sector to come in and really work together to help close the digital divide. The other piece that I'll just mention in there, and, and Casey touched on this, is you know, obviously the issue is partly access, but it's also about affordability. It's also about training and devices. And it's about, you know, the involvement of people in the communities, which I think is why it's so important to have not just the federal government, but also have folks at the local level, because that's where that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where you're going to get people actually connected in ways that are valuable and make an impact on their lives. Casey or Alex, do you want to chime in on? <laughs> yeah, no, I love questions like this because my PhD is actually in engineering and public policy. I'm always into this intersection. And a lot of my background is actually in the energy sector. So it wasn't until I moved to Missouri, found out what a huge problem rural broadband is that I really started getting into broadband and trying to figure out, you know, how can we figure out what to do in this space? There's a bunch of different challenges. So before this project, I actually went and interviewed all of the regional planning commissions, or almost all of them, in Missouri. And it's this organization that really acts 
as an intermediary between the local government and the state government. And one of the challenges that they face is that you know, broadband's so new, um, they feel like it's really kind of controlled by the private sector. And so they just don't have a lot of the in-home expertise for broadband like they do for other types of infrastructure, like transportation, water, wastewater, um, that they really focus on. And so part of the challenge is trying to figure out how to get those folks at the local level, the resources that they need to understand what the different options are and how to navigate them. Because when I talk to folks around Missouri, everyone's very focused on fiber. They only want fiber. It's like go fiber or bust. And so, but the challenge, of course, is that, yeah, it's going to take way too long. It's not economical. Thinking about it from the energy side, we need that kind of all of the above type of approach. You know, wireless can fill these gaps. We can deploy it faster. Um, and people are also focused on having these high speeds. And one thing that we've been talking about is trying to get at this idea of quality of experience and how do you measure that and what does that mean? Because it's not as simple as just speed. It's about reliability. It's about latency. How many different people are using it at that time? And so there's a bunch of different things that we're trying to balance there. And so I can understand the, the struggles that they have at the policy level, where it's often not the right idea, in my opinion, to choose a technology when you're designing these types of programs. Like often that's just going to sort of put yourself in a hole that is hard to dig out of. But having these kind of benchmarks of what you're trying to accomplish. So like, for example, if you're trying to accomplish economic development, people are going to need higher speeds for that for businesses and different types of infrastructure. So for example, a manufacturing plant is going to need a lot higher access. A lot of what we're focusing on for this project is the entrepreneurial side and trying to figure out how to help people start small businesses. Yeah, and in terms of policies and what technologies to to bet on and which ones not to bet on. Well, right now I think it's what whatever it it takes to get connectivity and economical and scalable deployment. I think that's really important. Like if you put a 5G base station, great if that's what it takes. Here in this case, uh, it's a combination of different technologies to make this a reality, right? But it's that sort of like out of the box thinking in terms of building and prototyping wireless systems and then seeing it how it translates all the way to the grassroots community level. I think it's really important. Like one of the conversations we had, Crystal from Maximize Northwest Missouri, I, I think I was like saying, oh, well, I think you can get 25 megabits per second download. And she stopped me right there. And she says, no, it's got to be 100 megabits per second. And that's this year. In the future, it might have to even be more. And there is something to be said about our expectations and the services we expect. Our bandwidth requirements are just going to continue to increase. And same thing, United was also mentioning that too. So our as a society... As we buy into the industry 4.0 and uh, telemedicine and all this, COVID just accelerated things. But we're going to really, we're going to have to really invest in this this infrastructure because we're, there's no going back. Well, I think that's a, a great place to leave it. On there's no going back. Uh, I really appreciate your time, and I hope that you'll all keep me updated on on how this progresses. And Mari, of course, on on further uh, the other projects, Project Overcome. I just want to give note because we've got seven great, great community teams that are working in addition to the one here in, in Turney, Missouri. We also have a group in Cleveland, Ohio. We have two in the state of New York, one in Yonkers and one in Buffalo. Uh, we have somebody in Blue River, a team in Blue River, Oregon, Detroit, Michigan, uh, and even Town Louisa in uh, Puerto Rico. So we've got quite a great expansive list of teams and we are looking forward to the first deployments from some of them at least starting probably July, August timeframe. We should have a lot of good milestones coming up in the late summer and then certainly through the fall. I will be uh, keeping a close eye on all of that. So thank you all so much for your time and for all of the fantastic work you're doing. 
Thank you so much, Mari, Casey, and Alex for your time. And thank you to our producer, Tian Fu, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.